Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. University of Idaho students go back to class after the long holiday weekend as police seem to have few leads in the murders of four students at their home off campus. I'm Anjanette Levy, and welcome to Law & Crime's Sidebar Podcast. We are taking a closer look at what we know so far in the murders of those four students a little more than two weeks ago. Maddie Mogan, Kaylee Goncalves, Ethan Chapin, and Zana Kernodal had been out for the night and were killed sometime after they returned home in the early morning hours of November 13th. Maddie and Kaylee were captured on a Twitch stream video at the Grub Truck, that was a food truck, shortly before they went home for the night. They had been at the Corner Club Bar before that. Ethan and Zana were dating and had been at a party at the Sigma Chi house earlier in the evening. Here's Captain Roger Lanier of the Moscow Police Department discussing the timeline so far. On the evening of November 12th and into the early morning hours of November 13th, Kaylee and Madison arrived home at approximately 1.45 a.m. after visiting a local bar and a street food vendor. Ethan and Zana were also out in the community at Sigma Chai and they arrived home at approximately 1.45 a.m. Two surviving roommates who were also out in the community arrived home at approximately 1 a.m. Now, later that morning, it was 11.58 a.m., a 911 call was placed from one of the surviving roommates' cell phones. They had actually called a friend to the house because they believed one of the people who was actually killed was sleeping and unconscious. Police say the 911 call takers had actually spoken to more than one person who was at the home at the time. Autopsies revealed that the victims were all stabbed, and some of them had defensive wounds, Others were stabbed as they were sleeping. Police have said there were no signs of sexual assault. So far, police say they've been able to rule out some people related to the investigation. Joining me to discuss the very latest on this case is forensic death investigator Joseph Scott Morgan, who's been following this case very closely since the beginning. Joseph, welcome back to Sidebar. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Anjanette. The timing of this is really interesting and kind of peculiar. This happened a week or so, week and a half before the long holiday weekend. So 
Is there any way that that could have impacted the investigation, the fact that kids may have been getting ready to go home for the holiday? Yeah, yeah. It, in, in my estimation, yes, of course it could. I, as a college professor myself and living and working in, in a university environment, it's kind of amazing when you have these events that kind of shake, shake the university to its core and it extends out. And with an event like this, you've already, you know, let's just think about what the kids are thinking about at this moment in time prior to this event. They've had a long semester. They're coming to the end of it. They see the finish line. Thanksgiving is on this way. And all of a sudden, bam, this horrible event occurs. They were already thinking about leaving anyway. The floodgate was kind of open when news kind of leached out about this and people were probably stumbling over themselves to get to their cars, to leave, to flee to safety, to get home. And from an investigative standpoint, this is a perfect storm. You begin to see things in a different light. You think, well, is it worth me hanging around for another day, another night, when I know that people that might not be in my immediate circle, but are at least peripheral to me, have had this event that has rocked us to our core, I think I'm leaving. Well, when that happens, the investigators lose a big chunk of potential interviewees. They've, they've left. And here, here's the thing about doing an investigation. Sometimes, sometimes for the investigators, they can stimulate something in the brain of an interviewee that the interviewee might not have thought about. And all of a sudden, information comes out. It comes flowing back to the police. And think about how large this university is. If you're, and I've heard estimates, of, you know, 10 to 11,000 people inhabit this small space. It's amazing how many of these individuals may very well have data contained in their brain or in their remembrances that they might just dismiss and say, well, that wasn't important. But then you contextualize it when you're sitting across the table from an investigator and suddenly something clicks and you have important data flowing in. Now we're two weeks downrange at this moment in time. Think about this, two weeks downrange, memories begin to fade after this period of time. Recall is not immediate. So not only do you have a scene that is highly complex from a forensic standpoint, from when you're trying to gather biological evidence, now on the other side, you've got this kind of lack of communication or interaction with individuals that might have knowledge about the case. So I would assume as an investigator, you would want to kind of put that plea out again. If you have kids who are returning back to school, you put that plea out again, or you're going through the cell phone dumps of these victims, which can be very tedious and time consuming. And you're probably looking to say, hey, we need to talk to you. Anybody who knew these people, who knew any of the victims who might have some information. So I'm assuming we'll hear another plea for people to come forward. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better. 
David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, yeah, you will. And the other thing that you have to to kind of entertain with this and you don't know if if their remembrances have now been kind of polluted uh, by virtue of the fact of everything they've heard in the news because trust me when they're at home they've been watching this and they're back at mom and dad's house they've been watching this this is where they go to school this is where they live their lives and so all of that data is coming in and it can perhaps impact those remembrances that we've just talked about and it it kind of creates it creates a headache for the investigators and it it diminishes the, the potential for clarity you know if you if you had gotten to people like within that 24 to 48 hour window that that could have worked and you know this increases exponentially we've got four victims so each one of these victims have individual lives where they're going to class they're going out to eat, maybe they've got jobs, and they're interacting with all of these different people that populate this area. So from a mathematical standpoint, when you begin to think about this, it becomes highly complex. And that's, that, again, is a problem. I've been looking at some of the stats that the Moscow Police Department has released. Uh, so far, more than 260 pieces of digital evidence, whether that's photographs or video, have been uploaded to the FBI's link. 113 pieces of physical evidence have been submitted to the Idaho State Police Crime Lab for processing. We know those things can take some time, even though they may be putting a rush on it. So we're a little more than two weeks in. What should investigators know by now? Well, I think that what they know, and this is, you know, kind of obvious, uh, you know, on my part, you know, when you begin to think about this, they know that they have something that they're dealing with that is very complex, uh, particularly when you begin to think about the biological evidence that I've, I've already mentioned. I always return back to to the idea of commingling of this evidence. And I'm talking specifically about blood evidence. And also that's layered on top of that, Anjanette, is the problem. If if we are to believe what we have heard, this location was a hangout spot for a lot of kids that come and go. And there's no negative connotation. People do that in college. I did that in college. Everybody I know did that in college. There was a place that you went to, friends, off campus. Well, for every person that entered into that resonance, there's a potential that they left some remnant of themselves behind. And right now I'm talking about touch DNA. Not only that, I'm thinking about uh, the shedding of hair because you lose, you lose hair in this environment as well. And the, the trouble that that presents for 
the forensic scientist is they have to wade through all of that potential data and examine it bit by bit to try to understand who this is connected to. Also, you begin to kind of whittle this down. Uh, your, your five, well, let me see, let me get my arithmetic right. Your six knowns that inhabit that space day in and day out. You've got five roommates and you've got a boyfriend. Uh, well, you also have to think about, did anybody else in that environment have a romantic partner that might visit, that might be visiting that location on a more than regular basis? They're kind of in and out. They might have access to the property. So uh, that's another person that would be connected to this. Then you think about, well, did parents help help anybody move in or move out? Have parents been there? So you think about their DNA. And then you've got the, the hangout crowd. All of those people that kind of migrate through this location in and out, what are they dragging in with them? So it, it, is, a, it is a daunting undertaking for, for people that work in trace evidence and specifically for those that work in DNA. Police have been battling a lot of things having to do with this case, including the spread of rumors. And they addressed one of these when they discussed the 911 call that was placed from the home on November 13th. So let's listen as Captain Lanier discusses the 911 call in this case. We have not released the names of any of the subjects who spoke on the 911 call, and we have not released the call itself. Any online reports of the victims being tied and gagged are not accurate. Joseph, you heard Captain Lanier saying that the victims in this case were not tied or gagged or anything like that. So obviously there are a lot of rumors spreading about this case and they're trying to dispel those rumors. But the 911 call itself, do you find it unusual that that has not been released? A lot of times in cases we hear these 911 calls, they're released pretty quickly, but they're not talking about who was on the call, who placed the call and they're not letting us hear it. So why is that? Yeah, I, I think that it's a major piece of evidence, or at least the police view it that way. And they want to try to keep this as locked down as they possibly can. Uh, I take issue, I think, with, with people that say that the police are lagging or they're not not on top of things as, as they should be. I think just the opposite. I think they're really on top of this and that they are trying to keep in check all of the evidence that they have, whether whether it be, you know, the blood evidence and, you know, I've heard all these wild things about people, perpetrator possibly taking a shower at the residence and changing, brought a change of clothes with them. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but a lot of the stuff is wild speculation because people want information for whatever reason. And I don't necessarily think that it's the people that occupy Moscow, Idaho, uh, I think more than anybody, they want these crimes solved. People just have a thirst for information. And so things can kick off very, very easily and rumors can start. I have no understanding where the idea of binding came up. It seems Again, like it would be unusual with four table. victims, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it would be. How, how are you going to maintain that? And then, you know, you open the door up. Well, you know, I've heard people say that there were more than that there was more than one perpetrator. I even heard one wild rumor that said there were three that went in. And I don't see how people are coming to these conclusions at this point. And at this point, it's total and complete speculation until the police confirm it. And they're not going to release any of this information. Information is the coin of the realm, if you will. The data here is the coin of the realm. 
and they have to protect it very carefully because you, if they don't know who the perpetrator is, okay, at this point, anything that they can release, if they capture somebody in this case, any information that is disseminated to the general public is disseminated to the perpetrator and they can adjust their statement when they are finally brought in for questioning. It's interesting you bring that up because one of the things I've been thinking about is the fact that they've released information about the murder weapon in this case, or at least what they believe to be the murder weapon. And they've said that they believe they're looking for a fixed blade knife. That to me was pretty shocking because I'm listening to this press conference and they're talking about this. And this seems like a really key piece of evidence. It is the key piece of evidence in this case. It could lead you to the killer. Obviously, you want the public to know maybe what you're looking for and if they've seen something like this, but it also tips off the killer. So what were your thoughts on them releasing the fact that they believe this was a fixed blade knife? Because they were obviously probably able to tell what made these wounds, or at least the coroner was able to do so. Yeah. Yeah, they they would have been. And I was shocked. I was shocked because let's go over the descriptors that we've heard. We've heard military style. We've heard Rambo style. We've heard hunting knife. And more specifically, we've heard K-Bar. And K-Bar is a type of knife that is associated primarily with the Marine Corps. Our Marines have carried K-Bar since I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think since World War II or maybe even before, it's a very specific type of knife. You can purchase them anywhere, though. You don't have to be a Marine to own one. And so that's that's very specific. Where's all of that coming from? Okay. You know, all of these different identifiers relative to the type of knife that that keeps coming up. I think the one thing that you can take away from this is that it is a single-edged weapon because military-style knives are not double-edged weapons, you know, where uh, you're thinking about like a dagger, for instance. It has, uh, with military-style knife, they they have a facility to them where you'll have an edged, an edge side, and many times along the spine, that is the bulky backside part of it, you can't have a saw, like a saw teeth, and they're they're very robust looking, so that if you're in a survival situation, you can uh, saw down small saplings and these sorts of things. Also, a military-style knife, one of the features of it, and remember you said fixed blade. This is not a flip knife. This is not like a what would people would call a pocket knife or a buck knife or that sort of thing. Many times with a military-style knife, it will have a hilt guard, and that's that little bar that separates the handle from the blade. And when you're examining wounds that are brought about as a result of the use of a, a weapon with a hilt guard, it'll leave a contusion around the actual wound itself, because obviously that's not going to penetrate into the body, but it'll contuse the body as a result of the stab wound. So you've got the blade leading into the body, and then where the hilt guard is, it will leave a contusion adjacent to to the injury itself, to the fatal injury, or to the stab. I want to take a look now at just this TikTok video that Kaylee Goncalves posted on October 27th. It's just her and some of the roommates just having a little bit of fun. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hey guys, I know I talk about myself a lot, but like, what would you guys do in my situation? <laughs> Dana, where are you going? Yeah, I got to pull you failed to already. <laughs> Joseph, it's really sad uh, for me to look at this video and to see these girls, they're these young women, really, um, really just having a fun time. And then to think what happened to two of them a couple of weeks later. One of the things that they've been talking about on these press conferences is the fact that there have been reports that Kaylee Goncalves thought she had a stalker. Police said they've been looking into that and they haven't found any evidence of that, but that they are continuing to look into that. These are people, you know, obviously who were really active on social media. So your thoughts on this kind of rumor that's been spreading around, or maybe it's not really a rumor, but the information that she may have had a stalker. Well, this is the age that we live in because it's not just your business or even back in the in the days before there was this proliferation of social media. It's not just like the, the population of the University of, of Idaho is involved in this. Now you're sending this out far and wide. Everybody has access, and as scary as this is, an insight into your life. You just mentioned, you know, uh, them kind of cutting up in this environment, imitating one another, that sort of thing. That's very intimate. In in the past, we might have a joke between us as friends and might uh, mimic another person. That view into their life is very intimate, and it, it gives you a peek in into a window of their life. And for every little peak that you glean there, the opportunity is that anybody that is a vicious killer, that's opportunistic, can see the world that you inhabit. Because what did we learn? Well, we learned something about the personalities of these young women. We learned something about the physical structure, didn't we? We could see. I, I think I saw a staircase in there. I saw them walking around. You know, you kind of get a, a sense for the orientation of, of the place. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're opening the whole world up to the space that you occupy in the most intimate sense, everybody can see. And it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. Oh, well, Joseph Scott Morgan, we want people who have information, tips about this case, suspicions, even if people think it's not important, they need to report it to law enforcement and they can do that. There's a tip line. It's 208-883-7180. There's also an email. It's tipline at ci.moscow.id.us. And digital media, photos, videos can be 
uploaded to fbi.gov slash Moscow, Idaho. Joseph Scott Morgan, Forensic Death Investigator, thanks as always for your time and your expertise. We really appreciate it. And that's it for this edition of Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. It is produced by Sam Goldberg. Logan Harris does our video editing. Bobby Zoki is our YouTube manager. Alyssa Fisher handles our bookings. And Kiara Bronson does our social media. You can download and listen to Sidebar on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can also watch it, as always, on Law and Crime's YouTube channel. I'm Anjanette Levy, and we will see you next time.